Good morning. Hear me loud and clear? Awesome. Man, what an awesome opportunity it is for me to get to share, get to share a bit of what God's um, put on my heart, a bit of what He's done in my life, that kind of thing. Um, but can I say worship was so good? And yeah. I always feel a bit, so, a bit bad for the people in front of me because I always try and sing like with everything I've got, and I, I can't sing that good. <laughs> but uh, Dennis, Dennis is a very forgiving man, so I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure he's all right. <laughs> Um, but first, a little, uh, I wanted to share a little update on my life. Um, some of you may have known that I was away for three weeks over Christmas and New Year's in Switzerland. Um, and I, had, I thought you might be interested in a couple of photos. Um, but basically, I'd been planning a, a five, for five months, I'd planned a surprise engagement um, to propose to uh, my future wife, Daniela. Um, and this was the spot. Um, this was beside the Lake of Toon, just in front of the, the Nissan Mountain, which is just, to me, a completely magical spot. But um, it was a, a series of, to say a complicated story shortly or quickly, um, there was a series of, you might say, deceptions or cover stories um, <laughs> to cover for my two 12-hour and 13-hour flights and my layover and the process of, of planning everything behind the scenes as well. But the long distance is quite difficult, but it all worked out wonderfully. And uh, we have, I have a couple more pictures there that you could flick through. Um, so if you haven't met her, this is Daniela. She's wonderful. We met at um, Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry in America about five years ago. Yeah, and been very, very good friends since then. Um, keep going through them. and Yeah, it was... It was, you know how you like dream of having like a magical engagement or a magical romantic life, whatever, like this is better than I ever dreamed of. And it's all because of God's faithfulness because, I mean, there's been, our story is really quite complicated um, and it's been interesting at times, but because God is faithful, because um, we, we had him at the center at every step of the way, he, he's brought us together in his timing. Yeah. So, this, yeah, <laughs> so I am engaged, she said yes, in case that was a concern. <laughs> um, this morning, um, the title of my message actually is, Till Death Do Us Part. Till Death Do Us Part. <laughs> Anybody heard this before? Yeah, I, I thought you might have. Um, <laughs> you can kind of understand that maybe marriage has been on my mind a little bit lately. Um, but I was thinking about it and wondering... Why we kind of reserve that level of marriage or that level of love for marriage? Like, are we only supposed to lay our lives down for one person ever? Because, it, I mean, isn't it a fact that Jesus laid down his life for everyone and he was our, our ultimate example or uh, he, he led the way in, in how we should actually follow? I mean, he, he was our example of how to live a powerful life in relationship to God. So shouldn't we follow in that way? Um, John 15 verse 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. So I think, we, I think we easily shy away from new or deeper relationships when that is actually exactly what God has called us for, actually what we were designed for. Um, and I actually shared a, a message similar to this at our Limitless Youth Summer Camp last year in December. Um, and this message stuck with me. Um, over the break and even through this month of January. And I feel like God has shown me a couple more things about it, and so I wanted to hopefully encourage you with, 
with it as well. Um, and I want to en- encourage you with this message to, to pursue meaningful relationships and not just to engage in or initiate and pursue uh, meaningful relationships, but also to go after restoring and reconciling ones that potentially have been broken. So let's pray together, shall we? Holy Spirit, we, we just invite you to come and move. Come and move how you want to move, God. Father, I just pray that uh, your word will be spoken this morning, that your, your Holy Spirit would just speak through me in Jesus' name. That it won't be uh, me, but you who is speaking, God, and that it, with every word, your authority, your power will be with it. So that it will bring, bring transformation, God, that it will become truth for us, God. Father, we just, we just pray that you'll continue to grow our intimacy here as a family. You'll grow our passion. You'll grow our uh, connection, God, to be, that, uh, un, to be unrivaled, God, to be like no other. And Father, we thank you for the incredible example you have given us with Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and yourself, the intimacy you have with each other, the connection you have with each other, God. And just, Father, be with us. Help us to understand as we pursue this topic, as we go after more in this area, God. And everyone said... Amen. So, growing up, I, I often, I, I grew up in church, went to church almost every Sunday, um, and loved it, most of the time. <laughs> you know, so when I was a kid, sermons could be boring, things like that. Um, but I, I feel like I, I always got taught, or it was always preached, um, the goal, or what it would look like to be in an incredible family, or in God's family, um, and it was not so much talked about the how to actually get there. Um, so this morning, it, it may feel a little bit more um, teacher-like in terms of a bit of knowledge rather than inspiration, um, but, but bear with me. I'm hoping that will be um, almost like tools for you to, to help you in getting to this goal that we have of relationship with God and the, the body of Christ. Um, yes, yeah, so I want to talk about the great love that Jesus has for us, but more specifically, connection and commitment. Here at church, I think we're really good at creating an incredible or powerful family atmosphere, which is exactly what the kingdom of God is all about. And I actually often hear from visitors um, that they feel so welcome here and that you guys are so friendly, which makes me feel really proud to, to be part of this, to, be, um, to know you guys, um, because to me, I think it's, really, it's, it's quite easy to actually lose that family atmosphere in a big crowd or that family feeling. Um, but as well as, to me, that's a confirmation of our great love for God. That, that, that love or that welcome uh, feeling that we, we have for, for visitors is actually an overflow of our relationship with God. And so, first of all, awesome. I think you guys are doing really, really good, and I love it. Um, and I know that God is so proud of where we are at as a church. But I do also believe that there is, also, there is always more. So, if, you, if you're keen... Um, let's press in together. Let's press in for the more together, yeah? So I've got, I've got four main points that I'd like to expand on. Um, the first one is family, and then I'll touch on um, vision, and also sin and communication. So if you're taking notes, feel free to uh, jot those down. <laughs> but the first one, family. In other words, the standard. In other words, the, the example that God gave us. Or what, what does it actually look like? What does, what does family mean to you? If, if, if I was to say, uh, what, what's the first thing that comes to mind when I say family, what would it be? It's not a rhetorical question. 
Belonging? Awesome. What else? Love. Loved. Come on. More? Protected? Sharing? Safe? Acceptance, definitely. Come again? Purpose. Yeah. I, I like that. You know, one of the things um, Chris Valentin says is that when you find your people, you'll find your, your purpose. And I, I think that has a whole lot to do with, uh, you know, I, I have seen people and talked with people and, and mentored people that are, are trying to find their vision or their purpose of, that God has for their life. And they're doing it way out here on their own, <laughs> almost, you know, which can be, depending on the season, a good thing. But often I find that, like, actually, if you separate yourself from people, that's, in a way, almost separating yourself from your purpose. Why? Because a big part of your purpose was actually to be with people, to be on a team, to be part of a family, not just your immediate family, but God's family. So, yeah, family is all about those things. It's about safety, love, trust, encouragement, freedom, learning, uh, commitment, wanting the best for each other, and even you might say blood, but uh, isn't, that, isn't that cool how even in the family of God, we are blood relatives because of the blood of Jesus? Yeah, I love that. It's so cool. So John 13, verse 34 to 35 says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. But by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Love, to me, is one of the most important things in family. Unconditional love. That love that accepts no matter what. That, uh, that is loving no matter what. And it, it, I was thinking about this. And it, if, if we can't as Christians love our brothers and sisters in Christ, how can we have any hope of loving people outside of church? Which is a huge part of what we're called to as well, right? And that says because of Jesus. That's how. He hung out with people that had terrible values, but that never stopped him from loving them. That has never stopped him from loving us. And he would never show us the way without making it possible to follow. You see, God created, created us with the ability to grow, with the ability to learn. That just because we're not um, maybe following Jesus with passion, with fire, um, doesn't mean that we can't be. And I, I feel like there's often been, at least in my life, there's definitely been times when I've been like, I'm trying so hard and I'm giving all I've got and I just feel like I fail every time and I mess up and I feel, find myself facing the wrong way instead of actually towards Jesus and this kind of thing. But let's do it. Let's go after him together. That time and time again, his mercy is anew every day. He has grace for us, not just to forgive us, but to empower us to, to, be, or to step up to the standard he has called us to. John 16 verse 7 says, I tell you the truth, it is better for you that I go away. If I do not go, the helper will not come to you. And if I go, I will send him to you. The Holy Spirit can empower us to love beyond our own abilities. I've seen this happen in my life on, on mission trips when I... When I'm completely, ex I remember I went to South Africa on a missions trip, and I counted the number of hours it took to get there, um, and all up from from leaving um, America to arriving in South Africa was 50 hours of travel. 50 hours, um, and I don't sleep on planes, so I, I think I had like one or two hours on one of the lay layovers of sleep. So we arrive in South Africa um, in Joburg. 
after 50 hours of travel, and I'm pretty knackered, but I'm also excited. I'm, I'm also feeling the Holy Spirit that this is a big part of what I'm called to, that, that this is exactly the right place where I'm meant to be for that time. Um, and, you know, half an hour after we arrived at our accommodation, we left to start our first conference. <laughs> and let me tell you, there wasn't much of me left. <laughs> so, I mean, in a way, it was actually really good. It meant that Holy Spirit could do whatever he wanted <laughs> without me getting in the way at all. Um, but I, I, I want you to know that when we overextend ourselves in love, when we, when we pour out of love, God is always faithful to refill us. And not just to refill us, but to refill us to overflowing. Yeah, that was an epic, epic trick. I, lo- I love South Africa. It's such a, a beautiful country. So, because he is love, uh, so Holy Spirit is able to do that because he is love and he is living on the inside of us. It's, like, it's almost like a, the Bible talks about a spring of living water comes from the inside. He is our ultimate helper. And it's got to start with us, with our family here. We've, here. we've got to learn to, to go deeper in our relationships here. To learn to, we've got to learn to make new friends, to reach out to those that are maybe on the outside. Then, then outside church, it becomes an overflow of the character that you've built with Holy Spirit in yourself. It still amazes me to think that it, it's better for us to have the Holy Spirit with us than Jesus himself. He said he will go and send the Holy Spirit for our benefit. So walking through life with the Holy Spirit is better than if Jesus was literally with us in the, in the flesh. Like, isn't that crazy? Of course, we actually have access to Jesus as well. and We have, like, everything handed to us, really. His goodness is, is unbelievable. But let, let's talk a little bit more, a little bit about vision now, like the how to get there. Or um, Sometimes we talk about vision being this uh, grab a vision or a statement or something for your life, like what are you actually called to, that kind of thing. In this situation, when I'm talking about vision, I'm meaning more about the way we see situations. All right. So think, think of it this way. We all have our, our own pair of glasses through which we see the world. It is... Sorry through which we see the world. Our, our beliefs and our core values, or whatever you want to call those, are what color our lenses. And so what, kind of, what color lenses would you say that you have? What, what over the years have you let influence your choice of glasses? Ha, has it been trauma? Has it been joy? Has it been um, some cool values that you learned in your family? Has it been Jesus? You know, all these different things that affect the way we see the world, see situations. The, the way we actually perceive the world is the way that we will interact with it. And the way we perceive a situation is how we'll interact with that situation. We have, to, we have to come to a point of realizing that we don't actually see the big picture. That no matter how qualified you are, no matter how well you know the, this person or the situation, if you've heard both sides, we can't know the whole picture. God is the one who knows and sees the, whole, sees the whole picture. We've got to come to a point of humbling ourselves and praying. We've got to come to a point of humbling ourselves and, and asking God to see things the way that he sees things. We've got to see from his perspective. To live without vision or to live without um, 
that purpose is to wander aimlessly through life without motivation or purpose. So what I'm saying is that even for each little situation, even for here at church, I'm wondering, what is your vision? What is your motivation? How do you see this situation? Do you see it as being um, something you feel like you have to go to every week? Or do you see it as something that is a privilege to go to? Do you feel like it's something that is, um, it brings wellness and health to your being? Do you feel like it, it's something that uh, you feel convicted to come to? Like, uh, what is your goal behind it? Is it because you, you want to passionately pursue God? That you want to worship Him? That you want to thank Him? All these different, this, these different questions um, that to me are so important to, to have a why behind what, what we're doing, where we're spending our time. So what, what would you say you're called to be? Not just in 10 years' time, not just um, in your workplace, but here, in your family, in your relationship with your best friend, in your relationship with your, in your marriage. What are you called to be? And one of the things that I feel like I didn't have any, or not so much training on uh, as, a, as a younger person was um, conflict, conflict resolution or how to manage uh, confrontation well. And so I'm also wondering this morning, when, when confrontation comes our way, how does, do we ask God how he sees that situation? You know, what is our, our vision or goal um, behind that confrontation when that confrontation comes our way? Do, do you realize that if you can communicate through confrontation that your relationship will be stronger than before? As a teenager, I always <laughs> ran away from confrontation, man. I was like, mm-mm. I'll shut down and uh, pretend there's nothing wrong and I'll say everything you want me to say. And uh, I was quite dysfunctional as a teenager. Um, but because of that, God had me learn a whole lot about these topics. Um, and so do we get defensive when confrontation comes our way? Because in reality, it's not, it's not something that we need to be afraid of. And yes, it can be painful, but Jesus is, is always with us in pain. He always understands pain. He's always there with healing. In all families, there, there will be confrontation. I mean, we were all created to be different. That's a glorious thing, an awesome thing. And with that, there's always going to be confrontation of some kind. And having our vision is something like, when confrontation comes our way, having vision in, as some, our vision for that situation as something like, my goal is to win the argument, then that's actually not good enough. <laughs> or my goal is that I'm going to say whatever I can say to get out of this. God actually calls us to a higher standard. Now, being a little bit more aware of these situations and aware of how God feels about them, I, I always try and have my vision or goal as relationship. That no matter the outcome of the confrontation, I will continue to, to pursue friendship. You see, we don't, we, don't all have to be, we don't all have to agree to be family. Yes, we, we gather in unity around Jesus, but, but what about people who don't know Jesus yet? It is God's heart to welcome everyone with open arms into his family. And this is the vision that we've got to capture for ourselves. Not just as, um, oh, that's cool, that's God, how God feels about it. And when I talk to people that don't know Jesus, that's what I'm going to say. That God's got open, loving arms and um, he's unconditional love, all this kind of stuff. 
um, but then actually not own that for myself. Now, God has actually caused us to, to grab a hold of that, to take responsibility for that vision and capture that for ourselves, that actually we become like Jesus was, right? <clears throat> hmm. You guys, you guys know that I went to Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry in California. And one of the most powerful and impacting things, um, powerful things that impacted me while I was there was actually the people. And not even the people that ran the school, it was the people that came from all around the world um, to pursue Jesus. From 52 different countries, I believe. These people... They, they believed in me and, and empowered me to step up and out of my dysfunction. They, they always believed the best of me. You know, I think it's easy for us to be maybe a bit unaware of the impact that encouraging people can have on us. Even now, I mean, you could take a look around you and, and find somebody that has impacted you in a powerful way just by one statement, by one encouraging comment, I'm sure. Let's be a people after God's heart. Let's believe the best of each other and empower each other to be all that God has called us to be. Let's represent his love wherever we go, knowing that not, um, not with our own limited love, but with his unlimited love. It's one of the reasons I, I love that we're called Church Unlimited, that we're called Limitless Youth, that we serve a God who is limitless. That we, we no matter how hard we try, we can't actually put a box around him. If, if ever we think we're putting a box around him, we're actually just putting a box around ourselves. <clears throat> so when, when confrontation... Oh, sorry, no. In, in, in a safe and encouraging family is the best place to be, to be open about sin in our lives. God doesn't define us by our, own, by our sin, so why would we do that to each other? None of us are perfect. Being real with each other is so important if you're serious about building deeper relationships. Be open with each other. Ultimately, sin in our lives holds us back from everything good. And when we turn to sin, we're turning away from God. I believe that, that is one of the devil's main strategies, to make us think that we're alone. To make us think that no one would actually love me if they really knew me. You realize that the, the love that somebody has for you, no matter how great, even God's incredible un, unlimited love, is actually only going to affect you as much as you let it. As much as you open up to him. That's why in some worship songs we sing, like, God, break our walls down. Because even unconsciously, we can put up walls against God. It's like Adam and Eve in the garden. As soon as they sinned, they tried, sinned. They tried to hide. And the, dev, the devil managed not only to get them to sin, but he also got them to hide from God. Make it, make it your default that if you sin, it's automatic for you to run to God. Because his arms are always wide open for us. He's always loving, always forgiving. And that doesn't mean by any means that sin is okay. But it means that God is there for us. That, that we shouldn't ever let shame win. You see, sin and shame can be two separate, very powerful things. And, you know, often I find that the devil, even with temptation, he'll put a, a temptation in my mind, a, a thought. 
and then he'll accuse me of having such a horrible thought, when actually I never took ownership of that thought. We were actually born for greatness. You were born for greatness. We can't afford to let sin hold us back. I believe that conviction of sin is actually one of the most powerful things that the Holy Spirit does. If we don't think we need any help or correction, he's, we're never actually going to receive it. We've always got to be leaning into, the, into what the Holy Spirit is saying. He is our ultimate helper, like I said earlier. At school, at school in California, I learned about four ways that we uh, consciously or unconsciously uh, open our hearts to the enemy. And I, I'm just going to list them out, not really go into... I'm just going to go into one of them. But yeah, the, the four things were unforgiveness hate, sexual sin, and the occult. And when we do any of these things or we uh, step into or turn to any of these things, we are putting up a wall between God and our hearts. And so what, what am I actually trying to say here? Uh, let's, take, let's take unforgiveness, for example. The Bible is super clear about unforgiveness, right? Colossians 3 verse 13 says, Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Ephesians 4 verse 32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Isn't that incredible that we are able to extend forgiveness, extend grace to those around us as well? That uh, the Bible talks about freely give as you have freely received. Let's have that kind of mentality. Matthew 6 verse 15 says, But if you do not forgive others' sins... Your Father will not forgive your sins. That's pretty, pretty clear, right? Pretty savage, straight up and down. But it's true. I'm not here to water down the Bible. I'm not here to actually uh, make it sound good or anything like that. But, I mean, actually, in truth, this is very, very good. Unforgiveness and bitterness is only ever a prison for ourselves. You know, we can hold on to bitterness and be like, oh, I'm causing that person pain because I don't like them and all this kind of stuff, when actually, no, they, they probably don't even remember the thing that you have bitterness about. <laughs> it's only ever a prison for ourselves. And one of, one of my, my favorite things that Jesus ever said, or one of the, what I think is the most um, powerful thing that he ever said, was in Luke 23, verse 34, where he said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. While he was in, the, in immense pain, not just externally, but internally as well, Jesus asked God to forgive the very people that were crucifying him. He had been disowned by his friends, rebuked and hated by the crowd. He had it as bad as it could get, and yet he was forgiving. How, how dare I ever let petty things stop me from connecting with people? Who am I to ever hold anything against someone? Jesus literally laid down his life for me, and I, I want to do the same for others. And that doesn't mean I've got it right. That doesn't mean I've figured it all out. But that, that is my desire. Whenever I feel any amount of unforgiveness or bitterness, I, I compare it to what Jesus experienced. My reasoning, my excuses, my pain never come close to Jesus' situation. 
I have no grounds to hold onto any unforgiveness. And so I give it to him, and, and he gives me back joy, love, or peace, or any of these incredible things. Do you know that, that whatever we give him, he always gives us something better in return? You know, that's even with good things. They're like, oh God, I have this awesome dream about owning a business one day. If we give that to him, you know, he's actually going to give it back even better than we thought it could be. Whereas if we try and do it on our own strength, it'll only ever be limited by what we saw it as being. That's one thing I loved about um, when I was doing a bit of traveling around the world. Um, I was like, God, actually, I want this to be about you. Uh, I laid it all down for him. And he gave it back to me with so many more open doors and so many more opportunities than I ever could have done on my own. You know, I, I traveled 20-something countries and I, I've once paid for a hotel. And that was on a mission trip. <laughs> when we give God our lives, our hearts, our passions, our dreams even our unforgiveness, our, our pains, our worries. He gives us something better in return. I want to be like him. He is the ultimate hero. He's the only one, only hero who ever died for the villain. All right. Communication. Communication. Make it happen. Let's make it happen. So when we, when we know the standard, of, the standard of family God is calling us to, um, sorry, so we know the standard of family God has called us to. We have some ideas of how to do that, and we are aware of what can potentially get in our way. So let's now look at uh, some communication skills to hopefully help us connect better as a family, become closer-knit. Yeah? 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 to 21 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. Praise Jesus. <laughs> come on. That's some good news right there. We could, we could finish right there. <laughs> All this is from him who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That's what you should write down if you're taking note, notes. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against him, them. And he has committed to us, to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's the, like the sort of thing that you want like plastered all over your wall at home. or you know, That's just incredible. The ministry of reconciliation is our responsibility. Ministry of reconnecting people is our responsibility. It's not just like, oh, um, I'll pray for those people. I mean, that's awesome. I'm not trying to diminish that at all. But let's go a step further. Let's press in for more. Let's actually take ownership of this ministry of reconciliation and, and pursue those people that have hurt us and pursue those people that we may have hurt and do everything we can to reconnect, to go after that deeper relationship. Now, I, I realize we may have a, a limited capacity. We may feel like we just can't be bothered with some things. But with Holy Spirit, listen, listen, because there will be situations that the timing may not be exactly right. But Holy Spirit is there to guide you with everything. So ask Him 
where, where, he, where you are to pursue this reconciliation. You've got to take ownership of that, this ministry. So how do we, how do we reconcile when problems arise or when we face confrontation? When we approach confrontation, what are our motives? What is our vision for that situation? This will drive our every comment. If we have any bitterness there or pain, uh, sorry, not so much pain, um, that will actually taint everything we say. So this, this is going to get real practical, um, a little bit like Danny Silk, if you know of Danny Silk, um, because in school, when I heard Danny Silk talk about literally explaining what words to use, <laughs> it was incredibly helpful for me. So like, as a teenager, I was like, I don't even know what to say when it comes to confrontation. I don't even know how to communicate myself. Um, I always end up hurting people. I always end up um, miscommunicating myself or being misunderstood or things like this. And so hopefully this is as helpful to you as it was to me. So here's three steps that I found, found really good. The first one was seek to understand. First and foremost, put your own needs and motiv- motives aside there will, there will be time for that. Seek to understand. You've got to listen carefully. Ask questions. Who knows that they feel more heard if people are asking questions about what you're talking about? Repeat back what you understand because even in English we can be speaking different languages. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and my last one under that is, is control your emotions. Now, I realize this can be quite difficult to, to do sometimes. Um, unfortunately, emotions, when expressed, can be destructive, can be hurtful, um, and can cause unnecessary pain. Um, if, if you feel like you have, you're in confrontation or you're communicating with somebody about something and you have emotions come up, um, then maybe the best option is to reassess and make a new time to talk about this. Because the uh, Holy Spirit can help us with those emotions, but sometimes we get distracted or we, we get caught up in the moment, things like that. And if that, if that happens in a situation where you feel like you're about to yell at somebody or say hurtful comments or things like this, then maybe it's best for you to have five minutes with God, Holy Spirit, and, and just ask Him to, to come with His peace, with His love, to exchange the pain. Number two, communicate yourself clearly. Do not accuse. Do not accuse. Do not play the victim. Who knows what playing the victim is like? Playing a victim is is having this mentality that I am powerless to the way you make me feel. Or I am powerless to what you, the inf- influence you have in my life. When actually 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 says... For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind, or self-control. Which means that you, with the Holy Spirit, are able to fully manage your emotions well. Fully manage your thoughts, your life well. Yeah? So be a powerful person. Manage yourself well. Form your sentences like this. I feel hurt when da-da-da because da-da-da. You see, that way we're not being accusing. That way we're not saying, you make me feel, or you make me angry. 
Let's communicate ourselves clearly. Ourselves. We're not there to tell the other person what they're doing or how they're doing it, these kind of things. Do not be defensive. This was my default for a long time. That if anybody had a problem with me, they would come out and be like, this and this and this is the reasons why I was like that. And I'm sorry, but uh, these are my excuses and my cover story or whatever. No. It's actually okay to mess up. To, to ask for forgiveness, to apologize. Ask if they understand. When you're expressing yourself, ask if they understand. Ask them to repeat it back, that kind of thing. And again, control your emotions every step of the way. <laughs> My last point this morning is uh, apologize or forgive or compromise and set the new standard. Whatever the situation was, whatever the, that you needed, um, apologize if you messed up. Forgive if they messed up. Compromise, come to an understanding and set a new standard of your friendship. You see, you're not always going to find that people want to have the same level of friendship that you do. That you, you may be wanting to go this deep and they're still, like you're not, you don't have that place in their life. Like they actually have a couple of best friends already. And we need to be okay with that. We need to trust that God has got somebody else that is going to have that level of connection with us. And under that, uh, thank them for understanding. Thank them for communicating well. All these things that are, I feel like are sometimes uh, diminished or unappreciated when actually to communicate clearly is incredibly powerful and, and so important in, in this family here. I want to invite the band up. Thanks, guys. Matthew 22, verse 37 to 39 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. You realize it's number two, to love your neighbor, to love the person next to you, to love the person on the opposite side of the room that you're trying to avoid, to love the person uh, that lives next to you, even though they, I don't know, put, drive too fast down the driveway or things like this. It's our second, second most important commandment. As believers, as sons and daughters of the most living, the most high God, love Him, love Him, and love others. To summarize, we've got to have the right expectations. Try to see God's, try to see situations from God's point of view. We can't let anything hold us back, and we've got to make it happen. We've got to just do it, whether it's painful or not, whether it's hard or not. We've got to step up to the plate. So I, I want to ask you, as the band plays, um, why don't you stand with me as well? I want to ask you, what, what is 2020 going to look like for you? Today could have a massive positive impact on how this year is going to be for you. encourage you to get the most out of 2020 that you can, the most out of every day. Take advantage of every day. We never get them back. Give God your all. Start the year on fire for Him, burning brighter than ever before. Set yourself up for success. Set yourself up for a year like never before. Mend those broken relationships. Forgive those that have hurt you and tell them 
go after that, that uh, culture of family that God calls us to. That deeper revelation, that deeper connection. Lay your life down afresh for God so that He can do an awesome work in and through you. God calls us to greatness. Not mediocre, not average. Calls us to greatness. And it doesn't just leave us out there hanging with, with this calling, with this vision, but He gives us the Holy Spirit to help us get there.